This is Just Women, every Tuesday at one o'clock on Brooklyn's radio. Hello and welcome to Just Women. It's our weekly talk show on Brooklyn's radio and it's us for the next hour talking to two interesting and intriguing and indeed inspiring women. And they have a common theme today on uh, relationships, which is quite lovely. Um, But we also have um, someone else joining us today, um, other than my lovely co-presenter, Jackie Mitchell. Hi, Jackie. Hello there, Doreen. Um, We have, of course, the gorgeous Dave Gematis, who is, as I like to say, knob-twiddling for his life over on the other side of the, uh, the desk there. So, Dave, thank you for joining us again. You're always welcome. He's quite a silent person ladies but when he does talk he's very interesting to listen to so we're here as we've said with two wonderful guests to join us and if you'd like to join in email us on studio at brooklandsradio.co.uk and we'd love to hear from you Yes, and later on in the programme, we're going to be hearing from Josie Penrose, hypnotherapist who runs Mind to Change. But first of all, I'd like to welcome Wendy Capewell, relationship specialist, into the studio. Um, Hello there, Wendy. Thank you very much for joining us. Hello, Jackie. Nice to be here. So before we get on to uh, what exactly you do today, perhaps you could give us a bit of background about yourself. How did you get into this line of work? Um, I guess... I started, I, I trained as a counsellor some 15 years ago um, and it, I started because it was just such a, an interesting journey of self-discovery um, and then I found that um, a lot of people were struggling with relationships and I was getting more and more couples coming to me and wanting some help and I'll admit freely, I've screwed up relationships in the past. And I always said that if only I'd had that experience and knowledge when I was in my 20s, wouldn't have that been wonderful? Things could have been so very different. Um, and so that's, that's how I got into it, really. And I'm just so passionate about it. Yes, because you specialise in helping couples who are struggling with their relationships, don't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. And that's very topical at the moment, because I just read in the paper today that uh, women over 55 are spearheading this kind of divorce culture uh, which seems incredible you know they've been married for 20 25 years or something but um they're now uh, you know looking to get divorced and having affairs and things yeah I don't think that's anything new, Jackie. It's just in the in the paper, don't you see? Yes. That it's it's more sort of out there. More. Yes. I mean, I was particularly interested in the candid nature of your story. When um, on on your actual website, you've actually got a, a line which says my story, and um, you know, very honestly, you're, you're right. When you you look at what you've been through, you have got the background to be helping out. Um, having made the mistakes, as you've just said, Wendy. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And I think the problem is, like you were saying, Jackie, that some people, they're, they're in their 50s and, and then decide. And what is it that's the glue that's been holding the relationship together at that point? Is it because it was the children? And um, they've flown the nest, and all of a sudden the couples look at each other and say, well, what is there? What's left? Or perhaps they've been concentrating on their careers and neglecting the relationship. So, yeah, that happens so often. Because I was quite interested to see this case study on your website about this couple and she'd found a text on his phone that he, it might have been quite innocent, but she immediately was suspicious. It was with a work colleague. And, uh, and so that, that started the sort of downward spiral. Yeah. And then they came to see you to, to, to work it out. But he'd been working away, hadn't he? He'd been working, he had a three-hour commute each way or something. Yes. And I think... The problem is that life has got so stressful these days um, and there are too many distractions that 
people just neglect their relationship and it's a slow burn it's not that it happens overnight and they're sometimes not even recognizing that that's what's going on and they wake up one day and well uh, what's going on here they just hadn't recognized that there was a problem i get back quite a lot you know one partner said well i didn't know there was anything wrong really really so what are the telltale signs how do they know things aren't going well well one will just say i want out and that's such a huge shock to the other person because they weren't aware they were kind of in this dreamlike state of believing that everything was okay they were on I said they were on one road and their partner was on another road and they were going in different directions. And they're travelling along but not actually connecting in any way. And that is so sad because they're each trying to do the right thing but they're not communicating. So communication is, is obviously key here in, oh, in any relationship. Yeah. So is that what you help improve? I help their communication. Them? I look at the problems at what's... What are the basic? Um, you know, there's all that stuff on the top. It's like, well, you t- you you won't talk to my mother, or you won't do this, or, or whatever that thing is. But actually, what's really going on underneath? Because this is much deeper, much much deeper. And I, I suppose my I feel that my the one thing that I really do is I roll up my sleeves and I say, right, we're in this together. Let's dig deep. Let's find the basis of what's really going on. Let's see what the problem is that's really going on underneath and sometimes it is you know they're just missing the point or one person might feel quite they're neglected or um they're just not even paying each other attention and you have to really do that constantly because if you ignore that then well there's nothing is there but in, the, in today's age, I mean, I'm sitting here with my iPad in front of me, and I do notice that people tend to communicate through their iPad. It's like an ether conversation. It's not, you know, we're sitting here, I'm looking at you, I'm turning around looking at Jackie, and there's eye-to-eye contact. That seems to me to be a, I use the word skill, uh, that's actually being lost. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, you know, I hear couples, with, they text each other all day long, and then they misunderstand what's being said, and that turns into a row. Or when they get home, they've got nothing to talk about. And then they're back on their iPads or their phones. or their, their yes, I mean, One of the most saddest things, I think, is when you go into a restaurant, there's a couple sitting there, and they're both playing with their phones. They never speak to each other. Exactly. And you do see that quite a lot, yes. don't you? Which is really odd, because surely that's the moment when you've gone out for a meal, you have a chat. Yes. Uh, and I mean, in the real sense, by opening your mouth and having a chat, not using your fingers on the yeah. phone. But there are some people that get to such a point that they can't communicate with each other and the only way they can do it is by emailing each other because the the situation has got so bad. Dear, dear, that's terrible, isn't it? But is that, could that also be the case when, uh, and I, I, I have read the case notes, but um, if you have got a guy who's working away from home, um, he's used to receiving uh, the phone calls, the emails, etc., from his wife, and there isn't that face-to-face contact, mm. and, and perhaps at the weekend there is, or after two, three weeks there is, because he's away for a couple of weeks. Uh, is, is that a major cause, then, that this is, you become used to non-communication verbally i can't i can't put it in a way yeah i think sometimes that can be the case but it's actually not connecting when you first meet you never stop thinking about each other you're always doing nice things for each other you're in each other's thoughts but as it becomes mundane you take each other for granted and then you just forget to pay attention to your partner 
so you don't communicate, you don't bother doing those nice things for each other. You don't spend that time with each other alone. It'll be the family go out together or we're visiting somewhere. But you don't do that when you're first together. You are connecting with each other. So what are the, what's the still answer then? What can these people do? I think it is. It's, it's really looking at their relationship and um, talking to each other. I, I always say at least connect, at least have a cup of coffee after dinner. Don't rush to do the washing up. Sit down and talk to each other. Have a conversation. Talk about your day. Not the content, but ask your partner, what was good about today for you? What were the high spots? What made you feel good? And those kinds of things can be so much nicer to talk about rather than, oh, recording, oh, well, there was so much traffic or on the road and the boss was in a bad mood it's those that real connection because we didn't do that when we first met we had dreams we had aspirations we planned our life as to how we wanted it to be together and we lose that along the way yeah you can lose it along the way and i i, I totally agree with that looking at you know lots of my friends are divorced and perhaps remarried but there are those couples that can you know sail through and they're, they're 50 60 years married never a crossword <laughs> i don't know who they are <laughs> Wow. <laughs> oh, gosh, that must be a dull place to live. But um, they do exist. They say they exist. And, uh, you know, in my husband's uh, family, um, his grandparents were married 60-odd years. Yeah. And uh, extraordinarily happy um, yeah. together. Um, and so it... But that's going back 10 years, 20 probably now, I don't come think of it. But um, today, uh, in, in a relationship... It's, it seems to me really difficult it, when Jackie and I perhaps had um, our partners and, and got to know them as well as you're describing here. It, it, it does seem that this relationship has started online and carries there. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't progress into being, I am me, I'm sitting next to you. Yes, uh, and I think one of the, the things is, it, there's a trick here, isn't there? Because there's, we want so much more from our relationships than we did generations ago. So we want our partners to be a lover, our best friend, um, the DIY guy, the, the best parent in the world, um, someone who we can spend social time with. We've lost, we want so much more, and one person can't meet all our needs. It's not possible. So there's that greater demand. But there's also the fact of allowing each other to grow their emotional part on their own as well individually and the couples that I talk to that are happily married they say it's allowing their their partner allows them just to be them and not wanting to change them accepting them for who they are what's and all and that's tricky nobody's going to say that's easy because it's not and when you speak to these couples, is it always face-to-face or do you do Skype sessions? I do Skype sessions too because then, uh, yeah, some people live too far away, you know, if there's a, a long distance or, or if they've got children and they can't leave their children, then, um, yeah, I can, I can accommodate that as well. So. And that must be a big help with childcare because trying to, trying to keep your relationship going but also keeping the family together when you've got yeah. to manage the childcare. So, uh, all right, I'm holding my hands up here. Skype, great idea here in a relationship that um, you can actually help with the counselling. I hadn't really thought of that before. Um, so do many of your clients use Skype or is it more face-to-face? It's more face-to-face, but I, I just feel that 
there is that opportunity now and we have to have quite strong boundaries if, they, if we're using Skype, you know, if the dog wanders in or the children or the phone rings or whatever. I have to say, you know, we, this is about you too. This isn't about... And, I, and even metaphorically, can you leave everybody else who you believe in is in your relationship outside the room? Because we're working at your relationship. And yes, all right, you've got extended family, you've got friends, but unless you really focus on each other and your relationship, it's not going to work. And I see you've written this amazing book, From Surviving to Thriving in a Romantic Relationship, which is fantastic. I guess people can get that off your website or Amazon. Amazon, yeah. Uh, so what are your top tips then for people uh, trying to uh, revive their relationship or reignite it if it's gone a bit <laughs> mundane? <laughs> I think it is. Just thinking back to what it was like when it worked, have, talking to each other definitely, and spending, not just waiting till you go on holiday, because I hear that, oh, we're going to spend time together when we're on holiday. <laughs> yes, yes. You can't do that. You wouldn't put a seedling in a pot, in a cupboard, and neglect it, not give it. You wouldn't expect it to thrive if you hadn't nurtured it. And relationships just the same. Um, so caring for each other, doing something nice for each other every day, and it hasn't got to be a grand gesture. Such as? Oh, I mean, it's going to be different for every couple, but it could just be making a cup of tea or um, when they're not expecting it, doing something unexpected, but doing something that you know that the other person would really appreciate, not because you think it's a nice thing to do. Right, right. And what about a date night? I've written about this. Uh, I've heard about this an awful lot, that people go out yes. once a week or once a month for a date night. Is that yes. a good idea? And it doesn't have to mean that you go out. You could actually say, we're going to spend the evening at home just spending time together mm, just it, it is fascinating to hear the, the different things on this and talking about relationships my husband and i retired i think it's coming two years and so that was a massive shock to us because um you know i'd, I'd happily um kind of lived my life um up until that point doing kind of what i wanted to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> and involving tony an awful lot in that and then then tony um retired and he it, the biggest adjustment, I think, was for him because he had to come into um, a life where he wasn't at work with all of his you know, normal support mechanisms, whatever mm. one wants to call it. And, and actually, I would have thought that might be a trigger for um, not just in your 50s, but your 60s, in people looking and thinking, gosh, I can't stand this anymore because it is massive. That's a massive change yes, in someone's life, yeah. isn't it? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, that, as you say, the divorce rate getting higher as people get older... Uh, I, I would not be surprised to, to hear that um, retiring isn't, isn't a, a, a trigger for that. Yeah. Because a lot of the guys I've spoken to who retired before Tony said, a bit of advice, just keep out of her way and let her do her own thing for a bit and just <laughs> see what's going on. Yeah, know? well, for somebody who's retired, you should say it's a complete life change. Mm. And if they haven't built that network outside, the friends and the hobbies and activities, that means you're focusing and expecting your partner to fill all those gaps. It's yeah. not possible. No. No. So what's your advice then for newly retired people? What should they be doing? I think uh, finding, yes, looking for ways in which they can occupy themselves. Find hobbies. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to be attached to the hip. That's not healthy. Um, because when we, bring, when we have other outside um, interests, it means that we're bringing something fresh to the relationship. Mm. And we get, you know, we get those endorphins, that rush of doing something nice for ourselves, and you're feeling better, so you can feel better about your partner then because you're looking forward to seeing them. 
So there's lots and lots of different things, and it is in my book, as you say. So Yes, that looks um, very good. I'll read it after you, Jackie, because you're going to read this one first. Okay. I have to say one of the things that I might have said about, you know, when you get to, uh, a, if you know that you're coming to a, a massive hiatus in your life, is try and plan for it. Yes. Literally. I mean, you can't plan for a breakdown in a, a relationship. Heaven help us that you would. But um, that does help, the, the smooth running. Um, and, you know, in our case, yes, we did do a bit of planning. And we thoroughly yeah. enjoy ourselves. Actually, we, we tell the children we're growing old disgracefully and long may it continue. Um, <laughs> Best way to grow old. <laughs> Um, and they, they, they do actually enjoy seeing mum and dad out and about and say, God, you, you two are never in. You yeah. know, what are you yeah. doing? Gosh, we've actually found you there, kind of thing. You know? and, and when you can enjoy that, that's a fulfilment. And that's kind of where Absolutely. you want to be with your, your relationship counseling, isn't it? Yeah. Getting yeah. to that point. So, yeah, so they just, do exist. They thing, do yeah. exist. And you were talking earlier about the couples that never, ever have a row. And I've got no problems with people having a row. It's. Not resolving the issue is the problem. If it just, if it's bubbling under the surface and never resolved, that's where the problem starts. Or someone never speaking up. They're just, well, I just want you to be happy, so I've never said anything. So, yeah, it can be really difficult. Well, Wendy, this is absolutely fascinating. We're going to come back to this in a second, but we're going to take a break now to a few adverts, and then we'll be back with the wonderful Wendy here. This is Just Women, every Tuesday at 1 o'clock on Brooklyn's Radio. When you're looking to send important documents and packages, don't settle for second best. Choose mailboxes, etc. in Church Street, Weybridge. We offer you high street access to fast, reliable and internet trackable delivery services from world-class couriers, including UPS, FedEx, Parcel Force and DHL. We also offer a range of Royal Mail services and can pack your shipment so that it arrives safely. Around the corner, around the country, or around the world, big or small, mailboxes etc. in Weybridge can collect, pack and ship it all. Finding it hard to get your company's name heard in today's noisy marketplace? Cinegraphics can help you to be heard and seen, and most of all, remembered. We design products that put your name in front of customers every day of the year. We can place your logo on anything from pens to clothing. Just use your imagination and leave the rest to us. And as well as keeping your name in your customer's line of sight, it's a great way to say thank you for their loyalty. So give us a call on 01932 857 669 or visit Cinegraphics, that's S-Y-N-E-R, graphics, .co.uk Make your company stand out with Cinegraphics Many sources believe in better, believe in healthier believe in greener and believe in quality Whether I'm making a barbecue roast, stir fry a curry, casserole or a stew Many sources have the right sauce for me to impress with my cooking Many sources are ideal for parents to easily make healthy and tasty meals for their children keeping them happy and healthy I like it that they're free from allergens, vegan-friendly, 100% British, and there's a 100% money-back guarantee. So whether it's marinades, cooking sauces, table sauces or curries, Manny's sauces make a difference and help you take control of your kitchen. Do what I did. Visit mannysauces.com to see their awesome range of sauces. Many sauces, it's the only hot sauce of marinade you need. 
You're listening to Just Women on Brooklyn's Radio. You can join in by emailing any comments or questions you may have to justwomen at brooklynsradio.co.uk or check us out on Facebook. Search for Just Women at Brooklyn's Radio. Just Women is just what you need. Well, welcome back to Just Women. It's Doreen Pipe. Jackie Mitchell, and of course the lovely Dave Jamatis um, opposite, and he really is twiddling those knobs beautifully today. I, I think you're on you're on top form, Dave. But uh, we're we're joined again by Wendy, who's been talking to us about um, relationships in general, and of course we're coming up towards the time when we we celebrate love, joy, everything red to do with roses, hearts, and everything else, and spend a small fortune on Valentine's Day. Wendy, in your experience, how does this impact on relationships? Whether they're, um, you've, you know, you've got someone who's going through a process with you who's in counselling and suddenly this, this massive media day hits them. I think it puts an awful lot of pressure on people, just as Christmas or, you know, any other situation. But, but yes, Valentine's Day, it just puts pressure on people because it can spike a, a, a row, you know, well, you only bother with me then or you haven't bothered with me. And I think that just makes it worse sometimes. I think we should be paying attention to our loved ones constantly. It's a lovely sentiment. It is, yes. The problem is if somebody forgets to send the Valentine's Day card, that can cause a lot of ruptions, I think. I remember one of my best friends saying that um, her husband walked out on her just after Valentine's Day. And her comment was, I think the flowers were still in the vase. Oh, oh dear, that's awful. And, and when you when you kind of think that that is happening, she can't have been the only one. No, absolutely not. So no, this is a massive stress factor. Um, I think in people's lives because it, it's not just simply sending a, a card, is it? Uh, it's it's what else goes with it. You're quite right, Wendy. Have you have you? You know, we're going out for dinner. Oh, am I going to sit and text with one another? You know, it's massive, isn't it? Yes. It's, so this must be a. Um, the world is a very stressful place to live in, and, and I, I would think a restaurant on Valentine's night is a pretty stressful place to be in. <laughs> yes, I'm very expensive too, I would think. <laughs> yes, I, I'll give it a miss and cook myself in the kitchen, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Good idea. And it, it's more about sharing those things. I mean, sharing a nice meal together, you know, the kitchen table. If you really prepared it and you put some love into it and you thought what your partner might really enjoy... Isn't that so much nicer? Yes, yeah, I, I do agree with that one. I, I definitely do. Um, and but also on the Valentine's Day theme here, um, you, you've got this book out, um, and it's called. Sorry, I'm going to lean over, Jackie. So, uh, from surviving to thriving a, in a romantic relationship. Well, I suppose everybody wants that. Tell us a bit more about the book and and how you, how you got to doing this. What made you want to do this? I think that. I speak to people and they're they're quite reticent about opening up on a personal level. Their view is, well, either one will say there's nothing wrong or one might say, um, it's well, I don't like airing my dirty laundry in public. Uh, I'm not going to talk to a stranger. What difference will it make? And it's reaching out to those couples that they can see there are ways that they could look at their relationship, explore it. There are exercises in there that they can do as well. So they could actually look at what the basis of their relationship is, how it's going, the trigger points. And I've taken it all the way through. It's quite a practical book. So it takes you through all those bumps that you might hit in the road, whether it's moving in together, getting married, having a baby, if an affair happens, all of those things, because that's what happens in real life. So... 
it's a book to help people um, look at their relationship and see whether working together they could actually take it from surviving to thriving. Well, I like that. I think that's a lovely, lovely concept. What about you, Jackie? Absolutely. I think it's a fantastic uh, title, and, and I can see already there's a lot of um, ex- exercises to try, so that's yeah. really, really good. And then also, I gather you're a columnist for a new magazine. Yes. Um, Mama Life is a new luxury parenting and lifestyle magazine that's and uh, yeah it's a really exciting time so i'm going to be uh, a regular columnist all about um, relationships i'm assuming. yeah it's all about relationships but it's got a special spin but i'm not going to share it you're going to have to look out for the magazine and is it on the newsstands or is it online it'll be online as well as as a, a hard copy too so yeah, if you look on Twitter and Mama Life, you will see there's lots of things at Mama Life. Oh, magazine. I'll have a look at that then. That's yeah, jolly. It's been really a, a very interesting having you in today, and, and especially as our second guest is going to carry on with um, a, a counselling type theme, although on yeah. a different level to you, Wendy. Um, and uh, really, really, I've learnt lots of things as well. And, and more to the point, it's this Skype, uh, Skype thing. There's, there's no need to say no to, oh, I can't get to counselling. You can if you need it, can't yeah. you? Yeah. You can. Yeah, you, you really can always can. get help. It's just sometimes people don't know where to get the help. Yeah. So if anybody <gasps> wants to get in touch with me, can I say my web... Please my do. um Sorry, my email address is probably the best, and it's wendycapewell at gmail. So any questions, I'm always happy to chat. I'm always happy to talk to people and explain more about what I do and how I can help. So, yeah. And what about your website? Yes, my website um, is The Relationship Specialist, and you can find that. I'm just going to um, have that. It's, it's just being revamped, so I'm saying that's why. Um, my email address is probably the best place to get in touch with me at the moment. And the a book presumably can be bought on Amazon. Yeah, you can buy the book on Amazon, either the hard copy or the Kindle copy. And if it's a Kindle copy, you get you can get the free downloads of all the exercises, so you don't miss out. Very good. Well, being Kindle person myself, I think that's a lovely idea. Thank you very much to our guest today, um, Wendy, who has been talking about the most amazing things you can do with your relationship, and that is. Um, from surviving to thriving a romantic relationship. And and the current website that you've got, I, I'd like to say, is it's lovely. It's very gentle colouring. And do just check that one out should you need to. It's howtochangemyrelationship.co.uk. And it's a very candid uh, very candid view of uh, Wendy's life on there, which may help you to, to understand where she's come from. But thank you for being our guest today, Wendy. And uh, we're looking forward to our next guest who's coming on, and that is Josie, who's going to be talking about hypnotherapy, Jackie. Great. Fantastic. This is Just Women, every Tuesday at 1 o'clock on Brooklyn's Radio. Surrey Libraries and Brooklyn's Radio would like you to help us celebrate the joy of reading aloud. Do you know someone who's brilliant at reading stories aloud? It might be someone in your family, your babysitter, a nursery nurse, school teacher or volunteer or anyone else you love listening to reading aloud. We'd like to hear about them and why you like listening to them read. Nominate them by Saturday the 18th of November, follow the link on the Brooklyn's Radio website or check out our competition poster at your local library. Both winner and nominee will each receive a £20 voucher for books 
and the winner will be invited to read a Christmas story on Brooklyn's Radio. Share the joy of listening to stories with Brooklyn's Radio and Surrey Libraries. Weekend Radio on Brooklyn's with me, Barry Richards, one on a Saturday afternoon. We scour the internet for the most fascinating stories that you may have missed. We bring you the best of celebrity buzz, all of the social gossip, local news and events that are affecting your area, the time capsule where we rewind to a year gone by, and the Gems of Surrey, a documentary guide of our best towns and villages. Weekend social media radio, online, internet, mobile, tablet, live stream, and in store. Brought to you in association with the Bourne Valley Garden Centre, the Riverhouse Barn Arts Centre, and Hair Mechanics 2 at the Bourne Valley Garden Centre. Join me this Saturday at 1 o'clock on Brooklyn's Radio. You're listening to Just Women on Brooklyn's Radio. You can join in by emailing any comments or questions you may have to justwomen at brooklynsradio.co.uk or check us out on Facebook. Search for Just Women at Brooklyn's Radio. Just Women is just what you need. Hello there and welcome back to Just Women with me, Jackie Mitchell and Doreen Pipe. I'd now like to introduce to the studio Josie Penrose, hypnotherapist who runs Mind to Change. Hello Josie, thanks very much for joining us into the studio. It's a pleasure to be here. And before we get on to what you're doing now, perhaps you'd like to give us a bit of background about what did you do before you became a hypnotherapist? Yes, I trained originally as a person-centred counsellor, but I found that I was seeing people for a very long time, you know, a year, 18 months. And I just felt that there must be other tools that I could use to help people to recover more quickly. quickly. And so I trained as a hypnotherapist in 2001. And um, although I don't always call it hypnotherapy or put people into trance, as it were, um, the the basics of hypnotherapy are very helpful in helping um, people to relax and to understand their problems more quickly, perhaps than they would do if they kept on going over and over and over their their childhood issues and things like that. Sure. Now, is it true to say that today you concentrate on working with teenagers between 12 and 18? Yes, that isn't... Most of my work is with adults, but I have seen an increasing number of teenagers, certainly in the last year or 18 months, who are presenting with a lot of anxiety, difficulties at school, lack of confidence, frightened of letting their parents down, frightened of letting the schools down. There seems to be more and more pressure on young people. And it's quite interesting that Theresa May, in her recent um, comments addressing mental health, has pointed out that um, a disproportionate number of young people are affected between the age of 14 and 18. So I think it is an increasing problem, and that's probably why I've seen more people um, recently. Yes, Mm. according to these figures, according to the charity Mind, one in four people in the UK will experience a mental health problem each year and that young people have affected with only half of mental health problems starting by the age of 14 and 75% by 18. That's, that's, that's right. incredible. It's yes. frightening, isn't it, really? It is. that, that's, you, that's your teenage years blighted, really. It really it is. Yes, that's right. And it's hard to say, to pin it down to one cause, but I think there's so much more pressure to succeed at school, to work hard. There's a lot more pressure to be like your peers. Um, it's almost like there's never any downtime. There's texting and emailing. All these different apps can be used all the time, sometimes late into the night. 
and all of that adds to the stress I think in a teenager's life and the social media platforms yes yes well. exactly and how there can be bullying and um and trolls and trolls online, online. Yes. yes exactly you wouldn't want to be young now I've come to that conclusion that um who was it Harold Macmillan or something you've never had it so good actually I think he'd probably say the same thing about being younger without social media you did not have those pressures and mm. you're having to deal with the backlash of that now in in the teenage years that's there. right and there's almost no downtime so you come home from school you think you could perhaps leave it behind you might just get on with your homework but now it's absolutely constant all the time to be posting on Facebook or Instagram or um, chatting on WhatsApp, all these different mm, things. Mm. Yes, yes. And I Snapchat, do s- I think, is another one as well. Yes, that's right. Yes, but I think there's also this thing called Facebook envy, isn't there? Yes, uh, where they'd see the pictures of their friends who look, look as though they're mm. having a much better time than they are. That's right. And then we get into quite difficult areas of um, sexting, texting, where um, kids post pictures online without really realising the implications and how they can be global in an instant, really. People um, share them around. And within a school, it's a very, very difficult problem, I think. Uh, Young girls or or young boys are indeed uh, sort of persuaded to put inappropriate pictures on them. Before you know it, it's gone vile around the school. It's a very different and difficult um, environment to live in, I think. So what are the most common problems that you get that you, the people who come to see you, what, what are the most common problems? Most common is anxiety and stress, and uh, those are both really a precursor to depression. So um, the young person might be sleeping very badly, um, be concerned that they haven't got um, friends, that they're isolated at school, that everybody's poking fun at them. So sort of cyberbullying as well as face-to-face bullying, but all resulting really in in a fear that they they aren't as good as their peers or their family aren't pleased with the way they're performing or the school's putting a lot of pressure on them. So, Josie, I'm fascinated uh, to, to hear what you're saying there, but, but how do you reach these um, young clients? Where, where do they come to, to? How do they get to you? Well, most of them come to me through word of mouth. I've had um, one or two... Um, very successful treatments and yes so a lot of it is word of mouth but of course I do have a website and um, I belong to a number of directories so people would find me online if they if they googled um, hypnotherapy for teenagers or young adults. So do you when you've worked with some of these these youngsters um, do you then liaise back to the school or is this now a closed shop you're working with that youngster and that doesn't go any further? Yes that's right it is a completely confidential space so unless um, the, the client the child or teenager requested that I got in touch or that I shared anything that we talked about then I wouldn't do that and I certainly wouldn't even um, speak to their parents and I have had parents who I feel you know they they're very reluctant to be on the outside and they often ask very probing questions when the child comes out but um, I it is a confidential space and I think that that's really important it doesn't matter how young you are I see quite little children sometimes five and six and seven year olds um, and it's very important that that space in my room is their space and it doesn't go any further. So a five-year-old cannot, you know, that has to be referred by their parent. They can't, they can't yes, make that decision. Yes, obviously the parent would bring them yeah. um, because they... I had saw a little girl recently who had um, become very, very anxious having been watching something on her iPad, I believe, and something had popped up 
that really frightened her, something frightening, and she didn't seem to be able to get rid of these images. Um, and obviously with little children or children of that age, I think she was seven, um, I wouldn't put them into trance. I don't use hypnotherapy. Well, hypnotherapy is not like you see on TV or on the stage anyway. It just is helping people to get into a very relaxed physically relaxed state and that helps them to open up their minds sort of possibilities or other solutions so with children I mostly would just tell stories or um, perhaps imagine that they can put their fears in a box or something I'd talk to people and find what their solutions are or what their solutions might be and then use those in the therapy Right, and so so these children can self refer then, or do they would have to come? Well, to the not GP at that age. No, no, they would. They do. I don't work in the national health at all at the moment, um, but yes, parents would bring them, and usually I spend maybe ten minutes or so with the parent in the room, just gathering information and getting their perspective on what they think the problem is, and then I would ask the child if they're comfortable for their mum or dad to go and sit outside and then I would spend the rest of the session. I don't, wouldn't probably do a whole hour with a very young child. Um, spend the rest of the child one-to-one with the child because I think that's quite important. I mean, parents with the best will in the world can be quite damaging to their offspring. So, uh, you know, it's not it's always um, a good idea to have the child on, on their own. And supposing the mm. child won't speak with you, won't tell you what, it, what, the, what the problem is? I mean, mostly it's just... A nice conversation, really. I mean, I have toys, I have books. So it isn't like you might treat an adult and expect to elicit a lot of information. It's just talking things around. Sometimes I get them to draw situations and um, just talk to them while they're doing the drawing. So it's a very informal atmosphere, really. And do you do any relaxation exercises with them? Yes, I've got a lovely book called Harry Harry the Hypnos hypnopotamus and and it's got some very nice stories in and stories are a great way to access particularly children to access help you know and they're very good at imagery children and going on um, imaginary journeys and that kind of thing so that's the approach I would use rather than straightforward relaxation that I use with adults. One of the things you said at the beginning of the interview Josie was that um, when people are sometimes in therapy, it goes on for years and years and years. Mm. And um, I've, I have a, a, mem- a counsellor within the family, and I, I have said to him, you know, do you ever get to a point yourself and you think, what am I doing this for? Because it has gone on for so long. Then is there not a point when you have you've gone past your sell-by date as a, a counsellor. Mm. And I was particularly sort of interested when you said there that, that your process is, on, on the hypnotherapy side, if I've got it right, is speeding this up a little. And, you know, you haven't got this years of um, quite, a, quite a strong bond um, f- forming between the counsellor and the person who is being counselled. And no end result is, mm. is what I, I kind of, in my, my, my own mind, think I'm not... Well, why are you still doing it after years? Surely it should be quicker. And I do like the idea that, that you know, you're saying you feel that there is a, a quicker route to, mm. if the word is cure, I don't know whether it is or not, but uh, resolution might yes. be better. resolution I think is a good word. And I wouldn't say that there's anything wrong if that's what people are comfortable with and um, if it really is a sort of very deep-seated trauma. But I... But hypnotherapy can make those changes quite quickly because it takes away the, 
the sort of conscious mind which is always telling you I must do this I must do that we need to I need to get this out of my life and there's a lot of pressure there you can hear in the language whereas once you're relaxed um, the unconscious mind can perhaps be more open to solutions um, yes I was quite interested I wasn't on a, um, a training course last week and some people were in therapy twice a week um, for twice a yes, week. for you know two or three or longer years, and it's Gosh. it's a cost factor too. I think. Yes. I mean, it's perhaps we should chalking up a system because if you've got mm. that one person taking two slots of um, counsellors, I don't know if anybody's ever tried to to find a counsellor. They're really difficult to you know get on board, as it were. So mm. um, I. I I applaud this idea, and I wanted to ask you something um, about the, the hypnotherapy. I suppose there are two easy sides I could look at it, and they're not easy, but two, two is one is weight loss, and the other one would be smoking. Mm. And um, so the first one I'd like to ask you about is, um, on the hypnotherapy side of this, uh, people who want to give up smoking, do they form quite a big percentage of your clients not now they did at one time yes they did but now i think smoking is so um such an anti-social activity really that i don't see many smokers now but and with smoking the important thing is um breaking the habit all the habits and the little rituals that go around the smoking because the nicotine doesn't stay in your body for very long i think it's something like 48 hours so the addiction is really more to you know actually what you do where you smoke your cigarette what's associated with it you think it's relaxing to have a cigarette with a cup of coffee or to perhaps go outside first thing in the morning and and take a few breaths of air before the family are all up it's it's all those things that are associated with the cigarettes that are the ha the habit side of it that is difficult to break and that's where hypnotherapy is very good and with the weight loss um, again, it's a question of just developing new um, new relationship with food, really. And very often looking into why people eat. It is because as, a, as children or as young people, they were rewarded with food, for, with sweets or with mm, things sure. like that, yeah. for being yeah. good. Oh, you can have a sweet, or you've hurt yourself, oh, have a biscuit. Yeah. So those are habits that get ingrained and... Um, and continue on into adulthood so they comfort themselves often with with food you see that really you see that a lot do you also see that uh, with the the the, uh, the baby boom generation <clears throat> what i found fascinating jackie was and i learned this the other week was that the size of our dinner plates has gone up massively so even really? visually well if you think back to your childhood how big was your dinner plate that's mm. true and yeah. you think of what we eat off of today which could be a charger plate it's massive and so you're thinking, I've got a third of my plate is, you know, vegetables, uh, you know, meat and potatoes. But a third of a plate that's about 15 inches wide is a hell of a lot more than, you know, one, which I mm. believe is about nine. So it's massive difference in size. Mm. So even if you're thinking I'm eating, you know, you're, you're actually looking at something that's large. Does, does that come into play? It really does. And I'm really interested that you should have raised that because one of the biggest issue, I think, is portion size. People come mm, and they say, but sure. I eat healthy food, but they don't look at the amount of food that they eat. And yes, plates do seem to be a lot bigger. And when we go to restaurants, they're... They're piled high, aren't they? So, yes, that is a big issue, and it is well worth... I know it's tedious, but just weighing out food occasionally and seeing how much you've actually got on your plate 
Um, Absolutely. Well, we'll return to that in a minute. We've now got to take a short break for some adverts, and we'll be back soon. And uh, we've got Josie, hypnotherapist in the studio. Thank you. This is Just Women, every Tuesday at 1 o'clock on Brooklyn's radio. Hair Mechanics is Surrey's premier hair and beauty salon group, with two superior salons, one in the heart of West Byfleet and the second in the Bourne Valley Garden Centre of Adelston. Hair Mechanics offers hairstyling and finishing, beauty and holistic therapies, nail treatments, tanning and electrolysis. For our office promotions, contact information and more, please see our website hairmechanics.co.uk or call 01932 350877. Hair Mechanics, Surrey's premier hair and beauty salon group. Hampton and Kempton Waterworks Railway runs every Sunday from 10.30 until 4 o'clock. Enjoy a narrow-gauge steam ride. No need to book, just turn up and take the next train. Bring a picnic and watch the steam locomotives go by. Follow the signs to the Kempton Steam Museum off Snaky Lane, Hanworth. Check out our website, hamptonkemptonrailway.org.uk. The magic of steam on your doorstep, every Sunday, 10.30 till 4. own or work for a company? If so, you'll know that finding and keeping customers is at the heart of your success. With Omnilocal Business Networking, you'll have a unique opportunity to meet up to 30 potential customers over breakfast and connect with their customers too. So come and try a meeting near you for just £12, including breakfast and a free training seminar. Meetings are fast, informal and most of all profitable. Telephone 07 900 31 26 34 or visit our website to learn more and see what people are saying about how we've helped them grow their business. Omni, that's O-M-N-I, Local Business Networking, where local businesses connect to succeed. You're listening to Just Women on Brooklyn's Radio. You can join in by emailing any comments or questions you may have to justwomen at brooklynsradio.co.uk or check us out on Facebook. Search for Just Women at Brooklyn's Radio. Just Women is just what you need. Well, welcome back to Just Women. And uh, we have the three of us in the studio presenting. That's myself, Doreen Pipe, Jackie Mitchell, and, of course, the gorgeous, the lovely Dave Jumatis, who's uh, really fascinated by today's subject. Now, we're touching on something and uh, on, on the portion size of food at the moment and how, how we perceive uh, what we eat and uh, how that affects the obesity, which appears to be rife in our, our country today. Josie, you can help people with, uh, well, weight loss is actually weight control. I beg your pardon. Not Mm. weight loss, but weight control. Now, um, how do you define weight control and what do you hope to achieve with with that? I think it starts by just helping people to be aware of what they're eating. And portion size is a big part of that. Most people know what healthy eating means, what foods they should eat and shouldn't eat, and they're not going to lose weight by um, having a great big slice of cake every day and that kind of thing. But also, um, nowadays, we can pick up um, food on the go all day long. And I think people don't... Um, you know, everything's available all day long. We don't necessarily sit down to breakfast, lunch and dinner. So that's another um, thing that feeds into the obesity, I think. And um, people will start 
just looking at portion size is very worthwhile, even if you only do it for a few days, just weighing out what you're eating so that you understand um, what um, a reasonable portion of meat or carbohydrate looks like. And also I notice that when we go out to eat, we can have... um, lasagna and chips and pizza and chips why would you have chips with something that's already got a very high carbohydrate um, portion in it you might have it with a salad or something like that but not add more carbs so it's thinking sensibly about what your meal consists of and and then you back this up with the hypnotherapy side of things that's right yes and i also make very sure that people know where they're going people need to have a goal it's no good saying i want to lose weight just airy fairy you need to know what you're aiming at and that can be uh, where you were you know a few years ago if you have some a size or a petite picture that you like that you looked really good i think we all do they're teenagers aren't they well no no i think that um you have to be sensible obviously we're not going to be stick thin again are we like we were at 20 but yes so have a goal whether it's a weight size a dress size or a clothes size or whether it's a photograph that you're particularly fond of and you think you look really good, so that you know where you're going, because that's quite important um, to have an aim. And then um, just to talk through sensibly what your eating day might look like. And then help people, the hypnotherapy part really helps people to um, just gain control and have a little bit more willpower to resist. It's like, I can only say that with the smoking... Um, and smoking's easier to do in a way because you either smoke or you don't smoke, but you've got to eat. But with the smoking, people just won't think about cigarettes. They don't come into their lives anymore. Well, you can't do that quite so categorically with food, obviously, because you've got to eat to live. But nevertheless, um, very often the temptation to snack on biscuits and sweets just disappears after the hypnotherapy. It really? just goes out of Gosh. your mind completely. How long yes. is the session? Um, an hour. But I say with weight loss particularly, it's useful to do at least two, possibly three, because it's useful to spend the first session perhaps just doing a brief relaxation at the end, but mostly gathering information about the person's eating habits, about their lifestyle, about how this sort of addiction or commitment to food might have started. So it's useful to have some basic background information before to work on in the hypnotherapy session and how many sessions would they need i would usually say we should allow for for two or three right and And then sometimes people come back for a top up further down the line say six months down the line and do you ever get children obese children that you i haven't had no i haven't dealt with any children for weight loss and mm. what are the what is the most common problems then people people come to see you are they are they grossly overweight or um, it varies. Some are, but some really are just, um, I would say, yes, probably medically obese or clinically obese by today's um, measurements. But um, And people that are in denial, really. I saw a young woman, she was in her 30s a while back, and she had just, she was using a thing called MyFitnessPal. It's an app where you put in every day what you eat. But she binged 
eat as well at night or sometimes in the day she would go to the supermarket and buy mountains of food and eat it but she just didn't put it into the app so she could (laughs) sort of kid herself (laughs) so it's sort of helping people to recognize that that's what they're doing and also it's a health issue and how you're really harming yourself with all these um with overeating and eating inappropriate foods it really is a kind of self-harm in a way. I thought one of the lovely things that you did say there, Josie, was that when you're talking to your clients, you're not suggesting that they put a picture of themselves which they actually look obese, fat, and this is why, I, you know, I, I look dreadful. You said put a nice picture of yourself on. Mm. And I thought that was a very positive thing and a, a very uh, positive way forward to think that is a lovely thing. That's me. Mm. I, was, I was lovely at that point. Yes. Um, and I, I, I think that um, possibly that might be one of your huge strengths as um, as the person to be dealing with because that is a lovely thing to think about there. And um, we are kind of coming to the end of our our, um, our show. It seems to fly by when we have interesting guests like, like you on. So would you like to give us your contact details on, on where we can um, get in contact with you? Yes, I have a website which is www mindtochange.co.uk and you can email me from that website or my email address is jpenrosemtc at gmail.com Well I'd like to thank all of our guests today and especially you Josie for for being here as our second guest Um, on Just Women Today we did have the the lovely Wendy Capewell uh, who was talking about uh, relationships as we come towards um, Valentine's Day and, um, of course, if uh, you know any interesting people, we'd love to hear about them um, to come on our show. And uh, that may indeed be yourself. So do contact us. And uh, my lovely co-presenter, Jackie Mitchell, is, is going to close the show today. And we don't work together very often, Jackie, but it's a pleasure to be with well, you it's today. it's a pleasure to be with you too, Joanne, yes. And just to say, as you say, we're always keen to hear about local women with interesting lives. So if you know of anyone who should be on our show, please email justwomen at brooklandsradio.co.uk. And details of past and future guests are on our website, brooklandsradio.co.uk forward slash just women. And you can find us on Facebook too at forward slash just women br. You can also listen to this program again on Thursday evening at 8 o'clock and then on our website. So thank you for listening. So it's now time to say goodbye from me, Jackie Mitchell. Goodbye from me, Dorian Pipe. And of course, goodbye from the lovely Dave Jamatis. Thank you, Dave. It's always a pleasure having you in the studio. No problem. You're listening to Just Women on Brooklyn's Radio. You can join in by emailing any comments or questions you may have to justwomen at brooklynsradio.co.uk or check us out on Facebook. Search for Just Women at Brooklyn's Radio. Just Women is just what you need. <laughs>